before we get started, I wanted to share something with you. As you're aware, we've spoken about hydration quite a bit on this podcast. Hydration is so crucial for our bodies and minds to function properly that it should never, ever be overlooked. But just drinking any type of water isn't enough to be properly hydrated. And unfortunately, a lot of bottled and filtered water doesn't contain the minerals and electrolytes that we need. This is why I switched to natural, N-A-T-R-L, the most affordable mineral water in the UAE that comes in 10-liter paper-based boxes, almost totally eliminating plastic use. It's sourced straight from New Zealand and really delivers on their sustainability promise. It's made my life so much easier and I can already feel the difference drinking it. We are also going to host a competition to give away a three-month supply of water. So listen to next week's episode for all the details. And in the meantime, check out Natural, N-A-T-R-L, Water on Instagram, or check them out on naturallife.com. And with all that said, we have a super, super interesting episode for you today. We've got Sandra Sharp on the show. She is a gut and hormone coach who focuses heavily on functional nutrition and helping women restore hormone balance by nourishing their bodies and healing their gut. We covered a lot of ground on this episode. We obviously spoke about the fundamentals and the definitions around gut and hormone health, as well as how to improve it, misconceptions, and some incredible advice for both men and women on how to improve your gut and hormone health. Enjoy, share, and let us know what you think. Sandra, welcome to The Forever Student. It's a great pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and to chat about all things uh, gut and hormone health. I'm super excited as well. And I think it'll be good for the listeners to give a bit of background on where you started and how you became a gut and hormone coach. Yeah. So um, my background is actually uh, not in health and wellness. Um, my background's in marketing and advertising, actually, for uh, eight years. And um, I always had a passion for health and wellness. Uh, and I think it started when I was about 16 years old, when I got diagnosed with uh, really serious hypothyroidism. Uh, my body was basically shutting down from how terrible my numbers were. Um, and so I think that was the biggest wake up call, obviously, at 16. I had no idea what a thyroid was. I had no idea what was happening to my body. And I think that was the first sort of um, moment where I really started to make changes to my life in terms of food and lifestyle. And I started to see a huge difference. And I think that's what's kind of spurred the fascination um, in health and wellness and how to take care of our bodies and the change that we can see and how much control we really have uh, over our health. And that kind of continued into my 20s. Um, in my 20s, I had a lot of issues with my hormones. I had um, not the best lifestyle because obviously I was in university. I was, <laughs> you know, living it up. And um, that came with a lot of consequences, obviously. So, you know, I started to then see how my body responded to that. And, um, and then in my sort of late 20s, I had uh, a lot of issues with my gut health. And I think that is sort of really 
where, again, it continued to kind of put me down this path of, you know, this is all sort of happening for you. So I had like a deep dive into gut health because I was chronically bloated. I, um, you know, no matter what I ate, I just didn't feel good. I was constantly, constantly tired. Um, I had a lot of other hormonal issues, which are sort of linked to gut health, which we'll get into um, in the episode. And then every doctor I went to was kind of telling me just, you know, get on Nexium, get on this medication, take some fiber supplements, and you'll be fine. And I knew that that was not the answer. So I started doing a lot more research uh, in gut health. I started, you know, um, listening to a lot of functional doctors, holistic doctors, and it was sort of not really, people weren't talking about gut health like they were like, like they are now, right? It was still sort of just the beginning of, yes, gut health is important, but not a lot of people were talking about it. So um, I think had I, if I would have had the support that people have now, I'm sure I would have you know, gotten over my gut issues a lot faster because I would have had those resources. And so I kind of had to do it myself. And I think that was where the massive curve, you know, learning curve happened. And it, uh, again, like deepened my fascination with this field and how everything is connected. And once I healed my gut, I started realizing that like I was feeling so much better. My skin was better. My cycles were better. um, My thyroid numbers were better. So it just had this like cascade effect. And I was like, wow, like clearly we're, we're onto something here. Um, and then I kind of like, it was just always part of my life. You know, I loved fitness. I loved health. I, um, I always had people asking me like, you know, how do you do it? Like, how do you constantly um, have this like willpower to eat healthy and go train and all of that stuff? And um, it, it like it became something that people sort of came to ask me about a lot, like, you know, in the office or whatever it was. And um, and it wasn't until basically 20. So I quit my job 2017. Um, I was done with corporate and I was like, I can do, you know, I've, I've got more to give than this. So um, I discovered health coaching and that was sort of the first um part of this whole journey where I started really getting serious about this. Uh, I got two certifications back to back 2017, 2018. And by 2019, I had clients. So I was um, already starting to coach women. And it was a lot more like um, general health and wellness. Um, I then got pregnant. And in 2020, I delivered and in 2020, obviously, the pandemic hit. And um, I was actually, surprisingly, I had a you know, thankfully, a very healthy pregnancy, I was feeling fine. Um, And then I got diagnosed with stage one thyroid cancer six months after I delivered my daughter. So that was a massive shock to my system. Uh, First of all, because, you know, here I am, a health coach, an advocate for women's health for years and years and years. And I surprisingly, like I had no symptoms. It was just a routine check for my thyroid. They found a nodule, they did a biopsy and it was cancerous. Um, Why it happened, how it happened, you know, obviously we don't know. Um, But that kind of woke me up and was like, okay, you could be doing everything quote unquote right, but there's still something that you're missing, right? Like how could cancer be growing in someone that's like 
supposedly healthy. So that's where I took a turn and I really started niching down and my focus went from like general health and wellness to, okay, I really want to get into the nitty gritty of gut health and hormones and like understand how stress and inflammation and all of these things affect us as women and affect our hormones. And um, I got more certifications in 2020. I also hired a business mentor and um, I just did a deep dive and I was like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And I, you know, officially created my business, which is um, Sandra Sharp Wellness. And I officially launched my signature program, which is the Rebalance Method. And it's basically a culmination of everything I learned in my own journey, but everything I've also learned from different mentors and, you know, just my experiences as a woman, as a mother, as, you know, gaps that I'm seeing in in the system, in, you know, medicine. Um, and yeah, that's a very long-winded answer to how I got here. But I think you kind of see that um, it was important for me to just show you the journey because it was really like a path that started from a very long time ago and just kind of progressed. And it's, it was almost like it was my destiny to kind of be here and just how the, the events sort of unfolded in my life. No, can I, and I can tell how passionate you are about, you know, this topic. And I think increasingly so, it's so important that this gets talked about more and more. I feel like when we were growing up, you know, gut health and hormonal health, frankly, were not even a topic that was discussed. And if you would go and see a doctor, and I'm not sure how it is now, actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you go and see a traditional doctor, a lot of it is still going to be the same where it's like, hey, you know, you have 15 minutes with me. Um, I'm going to do a quick check and I'm going to prescribe you something. You're out of here. And I think for 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 women and for men, frankly, having someone like you um, who goes deep into the research, goes deep into the science and provides like tailored solutions, because, again, I guess also every person is totally different, right? Like there's not one one size fits all sort of approach to this. Um, where where do you see, do you still see issues with like the traditional doctors and and do people still come to you and be like, hey, like I got subscribed this and, and nothing's changed and like I'm lost? Is that like still accurate? Yeah, very much so. I mean, look, the conventional medicine model is based on treatment. Like that's what it was designed for, right? Um, It was designed for treating disease. And so there isn't this idea of prevention when it comes to that medical model. And so, um, you know, of course, like we can't, we can't uh, discredit it because obviously we need it, right? Sometimes we need surgery and there are doctors and surgeons out there that are saving lives. But I think it's just gotten to a point where it's just too much of this one size fits all here's a prescription here's the pill here's nexium you know all of these like medications that aren't actually helping anybody and the problem that i'm seeing um and these are problems that i have obviously experienced myself is that women are going to doctors and they're being especially women are being completely dismissed um you know oh but it's just because you're a woman oh it's just because you're hormonal oh you know when you get married it'll be fine when you have a baby it'll be fine And it's just like women are hearing this stuff and saying, like, I'm not crazy. Like, I know when I'm not feeling well. Um, So I think it's basically a cry of desperation for these women that are coming to me and saying, like, please help me. Uh, 
And I think 95% of the women that come to me have had that experience where they're like, I cannot trust doctors anymore. I don't know who to speak to. Because um, conventional doctors, like you said, they don't have time to speak to anyone. Um, we've never been taught how our bodies actually work as women, you know, in school, sex ed class or health class or whatever it was, was a joke, really. Um, and so, you know, we weren't ever taught how to understand our cycles, how to decode symptoms, how to, you know, navigate all these hormonal shifts that we had growing up. And we were just always told because our mothers also didn't have that education. We were always told, like, just deal with it. It's normal. Like, you know, suck it up kind of thing. And we've got women curled over every month in a fetal position because they're in so much pain and everyone's telling them, but that's normal. And it's not like our bodies were designed to not be in pain and in discomfort. And we've just normalized it so much. And conventional medicine has normalized it so much because their model is treat a disease. So they will wait until you are diseased and be like, okay, now I have a solution. Whereas the functional medicine model and, you know, all these other alternative medical models are much more geared to prevention. So that is sort of where, um, where my work sort of lies, because I felt like there was a huge gap in aware, like my questions weren't being answered. You know, when I asked doctors, like, why is this happening? Or why am I seeing these symptoms? Or what can you do to help me? They had no answers. They didn't have the time of day, or they just weren't well, you know, in med school, they don't learn a lot of these things, like the alternative ways or the importance of nutrition. That's about a fraction of what they learn. So. Um, I really took it upon myself to learn these things because I, and, and this is what I do in my work. Like it's very much education based because it's so important for us as women to understand our bodies. And the more that we can understand our bodies, the more that we can be advocates for our health and be able to ask the right questions and be able to know that, yes, this works for me and no, that's going to just cause more harm or that's just like a band-aid solution. So, um, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, 100%, uh, it's the same. And if anything, I feel like it's getting a little bit worse. Or that it's, it's that like awkward transition phase in medicine, where it's going to take like a lot of time to get to the other end. There is a lot of work to be done. But I think we're moving slowly in the right direction with the awareness around this subject. Um, you know, women are really starting to like wake up and say, okay, something's not right here. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my answer to that. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And I think one good point you made is that we've never been taught, <clears throat> excuse me, we've never been taught how to listen to our bodies. You know, that's, that's so accurate. Like, how do we know what the symptoms are if doctors are not telling us what the symptoms are? And maybe at that time, you know, like even if we Google things, like the first things that come up when you Google stuff are like horrifying, right? So you're going to, you don't know what, you don't know what to trust. And I think secondly, you know, if, if we look at, you know, what we do when we face issues, we go and see a doctor. And one of the reasons we go and see doctors because our insurance covers it, right? Going and seeing Sandra or going and seeing a holistic healer or going and seeing whoever it's something that we have to pay for. And now automatically, it's like the easier way out. So I think once that shift happens as well from that side, um, things will really be looking up. But I think regardless, the fact that there's people like you educating us around this is already super helpful. And, and this is where things like social media and stuff come in super handy. Um, 
one one question that I had, and I think now we're going to get into sort of the nitty gritty is, could you educate us on how hormonal issues start? Um, and uh, maybe linking it to the gut or not. Uh, so hormonal issues can start from many different things. Um, but I think the simplest way to put it is um, there are certain obviously external and internal things that happen that create like a domino effect when it comes to our hormones. Any sort of hormonal imbalance is something, especially, you know, if we're talking about women, um, we, the, the majority of the time women are seeing symptoms with imbalances in their sex hormones. So estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and, um, that's obviously affecting their fertility, their cycles, um, you know, how, like their conditions like PCOS, things like that. But what we always, uh, sort of address is the symptom. Whereas if you have those imbalances, you need to look upstream. So everything starts from the brain, right? Any sort of hormonal imbalance really starts from the brain. And that HPA axis, which is your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, that's pretty much like one of the biggest reasons people have um, hormonal imbalances. So, um, you know, it could be everything from stress to trauma to, um, and, and I'm talking chronic stress, like where you're just, and the modern day world lends to that. Oh, you know, we're constantly under stress and we don't know it. Um, so chronic stress, even things like over-exercise, under-eating, not nourishing yourself, being nutrient depleted, um, you know, chronic dieting, um, blood sugar imbalance. So all of these things are stressors, the environment, toxins that we're exposed to, um, these are all issues that cause this like domino effect of hormonal imbalance. And I would say that nowadays, one of the, I would say two of the biggest reasons why women have hormonal imbalances is one stress and the other one would be blood sugar imbalance. And that blood sugar imbalance is a result of years and years of dieting, malnutrition, uh, not absorbing nutrients, and really under this like fear of food that diet culture has created. So um, we're seeing massively undernourished women and overly stressed women. And so, and men, you know, like it's, it, kind of, it can go both ways, but obviously I, I focus more on women. So that's what we're seeing. And the modern day woman is chronically stressed. Like <clears throat> if you think about women, Years ago, you know, in our in our mother's uh, generation, uh, it's completely different. Like nowadays, women are working. They're they've got multiple, you know, job titles. They are taking care of a household. They are wives. They are partners. They are mothers. Um, they're trying to take care of themselves. And you know, we're the caretakers. We're the educators. We're the leaders. We're the, you know, we're everything, and we're trying to be everything. And I think that's where all this kind of stress. We've just got like this chronic pressure to over deliver and be everything at one time. And I think we've sort of forgotten what rest means. And also, you know, society is not really helping us do that. Um, because it's like this go, 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 go mentality. Um, but I think the pandemic and, um, you know, 2020 just kind of made a huge shift in perspective, um, or created that shift in perspective to show women that, rest is necessary, like to show everyone really that slowing down is necessary. 
And um, that regulation of your nervous system does wonders for your hormones. So, um, yeah, I would say that those two reasons are the biggest ones. Um, if you want to talk about it from a gut perspective, uh, the gut is massively linked to our hormones. And this is where it gets really fascinating because, um, first of all, your gut, for anyone who doesn't know what gut, what your gut is, it's, it's basically your digestive tract. So it starts in your mouth and it ends in your anus, basically. So that is, um, it runs through you and it's the, it's think of it as like the most delicate part um of you know it's it's one of the it's a part of your body that is the most exposed to the outside world think of it that way right so from everything that we consume um even like stress it's not just food wise right so our digestive tract and our gut is very much affected by stress as well um and the way that it affects our hormones is first of all it's very much uh responsible for our um for our immunity. So 70% of our immunity lies in our gut, um, which is huge. So any sort of imbalance in our gut sends a system-wide inflammation, um, you know, throws off your immune system. And if that happens for a very long time, you can start having conditions, you know, there are um, autoimmune conditions that can happen from a dysregulated digestive system, um, you know, fertility issues, uh, cycle issues, because also your gut is um, responsible for estrogen regulation in your body. So that's another hormone that it's like one of the main hormones it's uh, linked to is our estrogen. And there is a in our gut microbiome, which is basically the house that houses trillions and, you know, tons of bacteria, um, there is a collection of bacteria in there called the estrobilum. And that collection of bacteria is specifically, its specific job is to regulate uh, estrogen levels in our bodies. So if there's any sort of bacterial imbalance or anything that's throwing off that ratio of bacteria in your gut, that is going to affect your estrogen. Um, so that's another way that we uh, can see issues with our estrogen. Um, you know, that can also then affect your thyroid. Um, and all of those things are, are linked. Also, 95% of your serotonin, that feel-good hormone, is produced in your gut. So our gut health and our mental health are very, very, very intertwined. So, you know, if you've been feeling stressed or angry or anxious or anything like that, that's going to throw off your digestive system and vice versa. So it's just fascinating to see how all of these um, things are connected. Totally. And I realize it myself, like whenever I'm super stressed, the first thing that goes is my digestive health. Right. And then as soon as I'm relaxed, it comes back. But obviously, if you stay in that stressed mode, which a lot of us do, then it's going to have some serious like effects on on your gut health. And, you know, I think in today's day and age, like you said, we're we're in this cycle where we don't really st like step back and, and take some time to ourselves to rest. Like we're always on the go. And especially like especially as let's say a mother who's also working, who's also doing X, Y and Z it's hard to take rest, right? Like, look at you as an example. If you have you have kids, you have a business, you have uh, people to take care of, finding, firstly, finding time to yourself 
to say, okay, you know what? Like, this is my hour. Um, and taking that step back and resting is so important. But then also understanding what things like exercise do to you, right? Like I've I've been told now by several people, like if you have hormonal issues, doing something like high intensity exercise four times a week is really not the way to go because then you're just elevating that stress level continuously. Um, but just to take a step back, if someone is listening to this and they say, cool, what Sandra is talking about is something that I can relate to. I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. In order for them to understand what that feeling actually means, what are sort of what are what are some steps that they can either take themselves um, or like what are some particular things that they should be uh, looking out for, reaching out to? Right. So I think the first step for anyone who's kind of uh, feeling like this sort of resonates with them um, would be to see a pattern of symptoms. So this goes back to uh, listening to your body. And there are so many symptoms that you can identify. And then I'll tell you sort of from there where you can take a, sort of like a step-by-step -step thing to um, take action. So um, the first, you know, the, the most common uh, symptoms that these people would be feeling would probably be like sluggishness. Um, you know, if you've got no energy, if you're chronically fatigued, if you're not sleeping well, if you're waking up at night, if you're having trouble going to sleep, if you're having trouble waking up, like after a full night's sleep, you wake up super tired. If you are, um, you know, moody or irritable, or if you've got um, PMS, you know, as a woman, like PMS is super normalized, but it's actually not normal um, to be that moody and that angry and, um, you know, have massive cravings and be in pain um that's not normal that's common but it's not normal um so um other things would be like the struggle to lose weight or um always feeling hungry or having cravings um that you can't like satiate um you know if you wake up not hungry in the morning which is super common that's actually a hormonal imbalance um, blood sugar balance. And if you've got irregular cycles, if you've got, um, you know, low libido or uh, uh, low or high body temperatures, you know, these are all things that signs that are not supposed to be, uh, they're not normal, hair fall, brittle nails, acne, you know, all of these things. So, um, oh, and also irregular bowel movements, like, you know, if you're constipated or you're going to the bathroom seven times a day, you know, that's also not normal. So um, it's really trying to identify those symptoms, but also seeing a pattern in them. If that's something that you're starting to see is like, okay, wait, wait a minute, like I either noticed that that's happened now all of a sudden, and it's like something new to me. Or, um, you know, it's been happening for ages and I thought it was just normal. That's where you sort of need to um, identify what's going on. And then I would um, probably see someone for that. So I would recommend seeing, um, you know, depending on what your case is, obviously, seeing a, a practitioner, um, ideally someone like a functional medicine practitioner, if you can, to kind of get to the bottom, to the root cause of why you're seeing those symptoms rather than just treating the symptom. Um, and then I would get some testing done. So uh, again, depending on what your, um, you know, what your symptoms are, what is the testing that you can do? You can, uh, you know, people can reach out to me. You can get that from uh, a practitioner and, and be able for them to be able to order tests for you, depending on what you're feeling. 
But I think those are the first three steps that I would take. And then that will kind of give you an indication of what's going on in your body. And then you can start to tackle things uh, from a root cause approach. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? Or would you like me to kind of go into step by step, like tangible steps of also how to, to manage those symptoms? Yeah, that would actually be super helpful. Okay, sure. So um, again, I mean, this is going to be quite general, because it depends on what you're feeling. And as you can see, like hormonal imbalance, there's a whole slew of <laughs> symptoms that you can see. Um, but I think the most important thing would be um, one is to, first of all, see if you've got any sort of like digestive issues, you know, are you digesting your food properly? Um, are you eating a whole foods balanced diet? Are you eating three times a day? Um, are you a chronic snacker? Or um, are you someone that's always feeling hungry after you eat? Are you eating enough? So these are all questions you need to ask yourself. You know, if you're someone who's eating like refined sugars and very, you know, fried foods and really unhealthy, unnourishing foods, then I would really start to look into you know, your, your food intake and how you can tweak that. And obviously there's people like me and, you know, practitioners and, and dietitians and nutritionists and coaches that can help you with all of that. Um, but, uh, the second thing would be also to like, look into, um, your stress, you know, are you sleeping seven to eight hours? Are you sleeping properly? Are you, um, constantly on your screen at night, like constantly exposed to blue light, which the majority of us are, um, or do you have like a wind down routine? Are you giving your body that chance to kind of like shut down before sleeping? Um, are you, uh, waking up tired? You know, the first thing that you do in the morning, do you reach out for your phone or do you open the blinds and look at the natural light? Because uh, you'd be surprised how many people are like, but I can't wake up in the morning and I'm so tired. And then you, t the, you, you realize that they're the first thing that they're doing is just reaching out for Instagram or their phone or whatever it is. and um, Whereas, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you just ignore your phone, you open the blinds and you get natural light into your eyes, that's going to sink your circadian rhythm, which is your biological clock. And so that is one of the first steps to kind of regulate everything else that's going on. And one of the simplest steps uh, that we completely forget about. Um, and then, you know, things like stress management. What are you doing to manage your stress? Are you, you know, are you... Um, able to get out of that stress response quite easily? Or do you stay quite triggered throughout the day? Like, are you someone who's just like chronically triggered? Um, because if that's the case, then that could be a very big um, culprit to why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. And we don't realize how chronically stressed we actually are. Um, whether it's your, you know, drive to work, and there's crazy traffic, or your, you know, crazy boss, or um, your the deadlines that you're trying to achieve, or, you know, your kids, or whatever it is, but it could also be the fact that you forgot to eat breakfast, or you're training six times a day, or you're doing only hit workouts, um, or you're not sleeping enough, or you're drinking too much, you know, whatever it is, these are all stressors. So we kind of need to like, take inventory of what it is that we're actually doing on a day-to-day -day basis because our daily habits are the ones that are leading to these imbalances, right? It's not genetics. Um, that is only 10% of the equation. 90% of the equation is in your hands and it's what you do every day that is going to determine how you feel. So 
I think we really need to like shift that perspective because we blame our genes and we blame, you know, oh, but my mother has it. Oh, but, you know, it's just part of the family or it's just because I'm a woman or it's just whatever or because I'm getting older. Like that's all BS, you know. So it's um, it's really a lot. We have a lot more control than we think than we you know, than we've been told. And um, I think that's quite shocking for a lot of people to hear is that like, no, you are responsible for how you're feeling. It's not anybody else's fault. Um, you know, you're, the environment you surround yourself with, the relationships you're in, the people you surround yourself with, the, um, the boundaries that you don't put up, you know, are you a chronic yes sayer to everything? Or do you say no? Like these little things that we don't even think about can actually over time create things like hormonal imbalances. Um, and that's why I say it's a top-down approach. You know, we've got to address everything in chronological order from the top down. Um, and I think it's really about going back to these basics and really asking yourselves these questions because it really is, it's not rocket science. You know, it is really about going back to the foundations of hormonal imbalance. And that is, are you eating well? Are you stressed? You know, are you able to manage your stress? Is your body resilient to stress? Are you sleeping well? Are you moving in a way that supports your hormones? Um, are you, you know, in nature? Are you surrounded by nature or fresh air or sunlight? Um, you know, are you um, are you surrounded by chemical toxins all over the house? You know, are you breathing in fragrance things all the time? So these are all things that these are like the foundational pillars. Are you digesting your food? Um, you know, all of that stuff. So this is sort of like where my work lies. And what I try to teach people is rather than feeling so intimidated by trying to manage your hormones, it's actually not as intimidating as you think. It's a lot simpler. And it's just breaking it down, really, that um, helps people see that. Totally. I think that's a great, great answer. And from what you've said, I think there's a lot of things that are applicable to everybody. So obviously things like things like diet and exercise are very personal. Um, but something like, you know, waking up and not looking at your phone, but exposing yourself to sunlight, um, relaxing in the evening before you go to sleep and not exposing yourself to blue light. And frankly, not exposing yourself to blue light too much during the day and trying to move your body and, and all these sort of things are things that both men and women should be doing but obviously it's it is easier said than done it took me I, i've established a very like very set morning routine very set evening routine where i've said listen the first you know two hours of my day i don't look at my phone i'll i'll expose myself to sunlight directly i'll move my body um i don't have coffee for the first 90 minutes two hours of my day as well so, so these are things that really helped me, but it took, it took a while for me to get there. And there's obviously days where, you know, you will check your phone just because like you were expecting something to come in and like whatever else. And like in the evening as well, like I'll meditate in the evenings and I'll have a turn down routine. I'll have my reishi, you know, my reishi tea, like all these things have been super helpful, but it's taken me some time. So my question to you is when it comes to effectively like habit formation, and behavioral change, how do you help people? Or like, what advice can you give to people in order to start implementing this? Because I think there's a lot of habits there, right? And, and the, way that, the, the way that I went about it was like, okay, how can, I, how can I make the habit as small as possible? 
So instead of saying, okay, not no coffee for the first two hours of my day, from going from immediately having coffee, have it after an hour or have it after 30 minutes, you know, like step by step, and then and then increasing those goals as you go along. Um, and then once you see that change, like for me, if I have coffee in the first 10 minutes of my day, I'm gonna crash. Right. It's just like I'll crash at 3 p.m. whatever. It's it's game over. And and that's the reason I don't do it. Like there's no there's no craving strong enough for me to have my coffee in the first 10 minutes because I know how I'm going to feel as a result. But yeah, my question to you would be like, how would you advise people to implement these habits into their life? So you said something that's really important, which is awareness, right? You are aware of what those, like, what are the consequences of those actions, right? So I think that is step number one. Like I said, being aware of what you're doing and the effect of that. If that's not making you feel good, then how can you manage that? How can you improve on that habit, which is what you've done? And yes, 100%, like, look, it's taken me 10, 15 years to, like, form habits that I'm comfortable with. And I will tell you, the minute I became a mother, that all went out the window, like, right? So, again, like, learning to adapt and tweak and shift and all of that and be flexible in that is really important. Because, um, and that's something that I, I want to touch on is because like people come into this kind of lifestyle change and they're like, I want it all now, right? I want it all now and I want it quick and I want to do everything and I want to have results now. But that it could like, it couldn't be further from the truth because the moment you have that expectation, you're bound to fail, right? So um, I always teach my clients that health and habit formation and change takes time, right? Um, healing and regulating things in your body takes time, right? It's not like we are in this society of instant gratification, right? We order food, it takes 25 minutes to get to our door. We order something on Amazon, it comes, you know, prime delivery, same day. We can't do that with our health, right? Like we have to be patient. and. Um, Learning to do things step by step is going to be really important to make it sustainable. Because when we expect to do everything all at once, first of all, that's not going to be that's not going to be feasible and it's not going to be sustainable. So what I always tell my clients is, you know, all the things that you have to do. What is your priority now? Like, where do you need to lean in to see the biggest effect now? So if that means, for example, I'll give you an example of someone like I work with many women who wake up in the morning and do like absolutely no way are, are they going to eat breakfast. And they come to me and say, I'm not hungry. I'm not going to eat. It's going to make me gain weight. That is their thinking. And I'm like, how is that going to make you gain weight? How, like, what, you know, you are crashing by 2 p.m. You're binging on food by 9 p.m. And you're not getting results. So it's first of all, it's like rewiring your brain, rewiring that thought process, and then starting gradually. So instead of having a full blown meal, maybe wake up and after an hour of waking up, have a smoothie, you know, or have like a small thing that you just put into your system. And gradually what happens is that they start to see that they start to, you know, notice a little bit more energy and then they start to get hungrier in the morning and then their cravings start to dissipate. And then they're like, oh, my God, you know, I wake up starving now, right? Three months in. 
So it takes time. It is a very much a step-by-step process and you have got to trust the process. That is what I tell my clients all the time. You've got to trust the process because health is not a destination. It's a journey. And so we've got to, in, in habit formation and behavioral change, it takes time. And, you know, like you did, we can't just like go from zero to 100 overnight. You've got to do things gradually. And, um, you know, if you're trying to cut out a little bit of a little bit more caffeine during the day, let's say you're having like three cups of coffee, don't go from three cups of coffee to nothing, right? Because your body is going to be like, what is going on? Um, I would go from like three to two, and then two to one. And then two weeks later, like try and just stick to one. And then if you're trying to eliminate it completely, then just eliminate it after a few weeks. So that's going to take you like a good month to do. It's not going to be something that you're like, you just wake up one day and said, I'm just going to stop coffee cold turkey. It just doesn't like it won't be sustainable. You're going to end up crashing and you're going to end up craving coffee even more. So these are just a few examples of things that I deal with my clients um, on a regular basis with. And, the, and it's something that we constantly work on in my programs is like this, like building on the different foundations and the layers. And they start to see that like a little thing here and a little thing there and a little thing here, it just kind of builds up and becomes this lifestyle that they start to feel so amazing about that they forget what their old habits used to be. Yeah, 100%. I wanted to double click on um, on gut health a bit more as well, because I think one, I think this is applicable to both to both men and women. But but two, I think it's something that a lot of people suffer with and, and probably without knowing. Um, so firstly, could you define for us like what good gut health looks like? And then secondly, are there things that we can do today, irrespective of kind of what our issues are? I don't know if you'll be able to answer that, but like what we can do to improve our gut health. Okay, so if you have gut issues, um, you would see things like chronic bloating. That's probably the most uh, common symptom, but it's not the only one. So um, anything like chronic bloating, constipation, diarrhea, IBS, any of these symptoms, these are all gut issues. But you could also have nutrient deficiencies. You could have, um, you know, joint pain. You could have chronic migraines. You could have um, skin issues like dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis, hives. Um, these are all linked to gut imbalances. Um, you could have uh, cycle, like issues with your cycle. You could have, um, you know, acne. You could have hair fall. You could have, like, there's so many symptoms that are linked uh, that sluggish feeling, depression, anxiety, um, these are all symptoms of what a potential gut issue looks like. Obviously, the most common one and the one that we see manifest the most is the physical, like chronic bloating, where you eat and you're just constantly in discomfort. Um, or what's very common nowadays, people aren't just are just not going to the bathroom enough, um, which is a big problem, and they think that's okay. Um, and any sort of food sensitivities, um, things like that, those are all based in or rooted in um, gut problems. So that is, um, that's what most commonly you would see. Um, so in terms of how to kind of help that, so again, it depends on a case by case, obviously, basis. Um, but um, I think my general sort of um, 
not rules, I don't like the world rules, but the, the general steps that, that people can take is um, supporting your gut health through food and lifestyle. So first of all, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things we don't get enough of is like whole foods um, and particularly fiber rich foods. And again, this is where I say it's it's dependent because just, you know, fiber, yes, is important for your gut. But then people like overdo it on the fiber thing. And some people can't actually take any more fiber in. So just making sure that you are um, eating lots of greens, vegetables, um, things like that, that are really uh, rich in prebiotics um, is going to be really helpful for your gut, but also probiotic rich foods. So the difference between that is probiotics are basically the what help flour flourish or flush your gut with good bacteria, right? Um, and then you've got to also eat prebiotics because prebiotics are like the fuel source for your probiotics. So both of those have to go hand in hand. So if you're thinking about adding more probiotic rich foods, you're looking at, um, you know, fermented foods like kimchi, miso, sauerkraut, which is amazing for the gut. Um, you know, uh, kombucha, I wouldn't say so much because I think kombucha, um, there's a lot of sugar and a lot of people have issues with it. Um, but yeah, I would say like the, the main ones would be um, things like kefir, which is fermented yogurt, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, miso. These are great, great. Um, or any sort of like pickled vegetables. Those are great for your gut. Um, and then in terms of, uh, and I'll get to bone broth in a minute. In terms of prebiotics, um, you would, you know, add things like raspberries or leeks or onions, garlic, um, you know, asparagus, artichokes. These are all sources of prebiotic rich foods. Um, that being said, I know the whole probiotic thing is like a trend and people are just like, oh, I've got a gut issue, so I'm just going to go pop a probiotic in. That's not necessarily going to help you. Okay, so yes, probiotics can support your gut health, but if you're not getting to the root problem of why you have chronic bloating, chronic constipation, joint pain, all of that stuff, then you're not really addressing the problem. You're just putting a Band-Aid on the symptom. So while probiotics, yes, they support your general gut health, um, you also want to see someone who would be able to kind of make sure you're taking the right probiotics because there's different strains of probiotics. Um, you know, for some people, they overdo it on the probiotics and then it, their gut, gut issues actually get worse. So it really depends. And it's not just like, like you said, it's not just a one size fits all. So that's where you would need um, more guided help. Um, but then, you know, that in general, probiotic and prebiotic rich foods are great for everyone. So that's where, you know, adding foods in that are going to help your um, system is great. Then you've also got your bone broth. So bone broth is one of those like staple things I know is also like a huge trend now. Everyone's like bone broth this, bone broth that. But it's honestly, it's been around for centuries. Um, and it's something that, you know, my mom used to make, my grandmother used to make. And it's something that like a lot our previous generations grew up with. But now it's just being talked about a lot more. But there are so many benefits to it because, um, you know, it's got collagen, which is great for binding the tight junctions around your intestinal wall. One of the most uh, common things that we're seeing today is leaky gut, which is also, you know, it's kind of like the slang term for intestinal permeability. 
So um, that is basically where the lining of your intestine permeates and food particles are basically going out into your bloodstream and that's causing a lot of system-wide issues. Leaky gut is very much rooted in stress. So again, where stress has an effect on everything, it's also got a massive effect on our digestive system. So, um, you know, I and this goes back again to my point of getting to the root cause. Leaky gut is something that people are like going to be like, well, just take supplements for it, you know? Yes, take supplements, but you've also got to treat the root of the issue. Otherwise, it's never going to go away. So um, for things like uh, going back to bone broth, I've gone on a tangent, but going back to bone broth, it basically um, uh, it helps support the tight junctions of your intestinal wall. So it seals that intestinal wall um, gut lining barrier. And that is um, it's got so many benefits, tons of minerals, tons of nutrients that are really great for your digestive system and for your immunity and for your health overall. Um, and I think the the other thing would be like stress management. I know I'm going to keep harping on this, but I don't think we realize how much stress affects our digestive system. And again, like it's linked directly. I mean, our uh, gut is directly linked to our brain through the vagus nerve, which runs through our body. And so there is a direct correlation, bi-directional relationship between your brain and the way you feel to your digestive system. And um, I would say the majority of digestive issues stem from, uh, you know, dysregulated nervous system, stress, um, not sleeping well. These are all things um, that are going to affect your gut lining and, and affect the uh, microbiome. Um, and getting to that root cause is going to be the most important um, because, you know, whether you've got a parasite or whether you've got bacterial overgrowth or whether you've got candida, which is a yeast overgrowth, or you've got leaky gut or you're, you know, and that lends to absorption issues where, you know, no matter what you're eating, you're not actually absorbing anything. So it's basically useless. So that's why I'm saying like, if you don't, if you don't nip it in the bud at the root, it's just like, no matter how many supplements you take, it's not going to help. So um, yeah, gut health is paramount to your health. And um, it's something that there are so many little things that we can do, like I said, but ultimately it's also very much case by case uh, situation. Yeah, that's super helpful. I think that was very well explained, especially about the probiotics and prebiotics and the relationship between the two and understanding what they're good for and what they might not help with. Um, I think it's something that, you know, everyone always grabs for. And then obviously there's the quality of the probiotics that you take and or the prebiotics that you take. Um, but doing it the natural way through through whole foods is definitely the way to go. So a question on on the relationship between gut health and exercise. It, firstly, is there one like if if I'm exercising, over exercising, I'm doing you know high intensity training six times a week versus you know, weightlifting once a day versus just going for walks. Like, do these things have an impact on on my gut health? Um, yeah, they can do. So again, it's it's a form of stress, right? So stress, like we just mentioned, is very much linked to gut imbalances. Um, if you are someone who is, um, so 
I'll try and break it down a little bit to make it a little bit easier to understand. So stress, so there are two different, like there are different kinds of stress, right? Exercise is a stress form, um, but it can be healthy stress as well, right? Um, so if you are someone who is like super zen and has no stress and is all happy, you know, great health, all of that, and you're doing four times a week of HIIT training, that can be helpful for you, right? Like that is, yes, it's catabolic, which means like it's breaking down tissue and all of that, but that stress could be um, helpful. It could promote weight loss, things like that. But that's not the case for the majority of people that we're speaking to, right? Um, the majority of us in modern day life, we are, like we said in the beginning of this episode, we're chronically stressed. And we don't have, like our bodies are still trying to get resilient to that stress like we're struggling because it's like we we get into that stress response we don't have time to like zen out we don't have time to get out of that stress response and that's that system that stress response system is not meant to be chronically activated um so when it's that way and we're still going and doing hit training four times a week then yes of course that's going to affect a lot of things in our system because that stress is like multiplying what we've already what the stress that we've already got right and so that's where people start to see issues with their digestive system like we said it's very much linked to over you know over exerting yourself or stress um but it's also going to very much impact your hormones and you know cortisol which is our main stress hormone is one of those queen bee hormones like i like to call them so cortisol and insulin are both queen bee hormones. So any sort of stress imbalance um, or overproduction of cortisol or underproduction of cortisol, if you've got low cortisol as well, that's the stress on the body. Um, or if you're overproducing insulin and those two go hand in hand because of blood sugar imbalance and stress issues, that's going to be like a cascade of effects for the rest of your hormones. So that's why I say like cortisol, we've got to really pay attention to our stress and um, if you are someone who is already stressed out, please stop doing HIIT training. <laughs> please go outside, you know, stop doing CrossFit five days a week. And I think that's what a lot of women are starting to see is the effects of overexercise, not just for their digestive system, because they're starting to see like leaky gut issues and immunity issues, and they're not having enough time to rest and recover. Even men, it's not just women, but I think it hits women a lot differently because we are much more susceptible to developing these hormonal issues because our bodies don't feel safe. When we are overstressed, our bodies don't feel safe for, um, for being fertile, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's for you to go get pregnant, but our bodies need to be fertile for our overall health. Fertility is healthy for, for us, right? Whether or not we want children. So, um, when our bodies are chronically stressed and we don't feel safe, that is going to affect a lot of things. And so that stress, you know, um, starts to turn into fat for a lot of women, even men. Yeah. So um, a lot of women will come to me and tell me like, you know, but I'm, I'm exercising four times a week or six times a week and I'm doing HIIT and I'm doing cycling and I'm doing train weight training and, you know, I'm eating like 1200 calories and I'm just not losing anything. And you're like, well, yeah, of course, you're not going to be losing anything because your body is like strung out, right? It's just, first of all, you're not, you're overtraining and you're massively under eating 
And no wonder you see issues with your gut health and you see acne and you see, you know, your period went missing and you're starting to put on weight around your midsection, your metabolism's shot, you're no longer hungry. Like all of these things can stem from something so simple as overtraining and undereating. And it is super common, like super common. I would say 90% of the women I work with have that issue. Um, and again, it's that conditioning that we've grown up with, like, you've got to be working out every single day, you know, don't take a day off because you're lazy type of thing. And that that's just completely ruined our way of thinking. Because if anything, it's absolutely not about working out more and, and eating less. It's completely the opposite, actually. You can have you can be training two days a week and have massively effective workouts um, and be eating much more than hopefully much more than 1200 calories because that's like what a toddler is meant to eat. Um, then you're going to see better results than if you're training six times a week, not resting, not recovering and eating 1200 calories. Um, so, yeah, the whole like calories in calories out train every day mentality, go, 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 you know, don't slack off thing has really, um, has really conditioned us in a way that's affecting our health negatively, I think. Yeah. And I think the stress part that you mentioned is super interesting because what I often see is, you know, we go directly from, let's say the office directly into a workout, but like in between that time, like maybe you've just finished like a stressful meeting or a long call, or it doesn't even have to be something that's particularly labeled as a stressful event, like just being very focused on work or like working on a presentation or something like that is effectively some sort of stress, not having like something in between to relax and then going straight into a workout. Like then all of a sudden you're just staying in this stressful state. And I've had it, like I have it myself where. I'm so focused because I'm training for an ultra marathon and obviously I have a business to run and I have a podcast and whatever else. Like my main priority is that whenever I finish any task, like after this podcast, I'll just take 10 minutes to myself and just, and just relax. And yesterday as well, like I would run for an hour and instead of just jumping into my next meeting, I would like, I think I even took like a 10 minute nap, you know, like it was, and it was phenomenal, but like it's these type of things. Then, then I think the impact of it is, is positive versus versus it being negative. I'm not sure if you agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's something again, it's super common is that people are like, um, God, I'm so stressed out, you know, I need to, I'm gonna go like do a crazy workout to de-stress. And that is like the complete opposite of what you're doing, which is exactly what you said. But also um a lot of people, especially like I see it a lot in mothers as well as they're like, oh, but I've had such a stressful day. The kids are driving me crazy. I've got crazy things at work, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm going to de-stress and have a glass of wine. <laughs> and that glass of wine becomes like a chronic thing that you do every single night. Or I'm going to have four cups of coffee because I can't stay awake. And so your tactics to de-stress have now become stressful, right? And that's where I think we need to start to kind of shift our perspective to what is actually regulating your your nervous system versus what's actually causing more harm. Yeah, and I think that goes back to your short-term versus long-term thing as well. Because I'm low on energy today, what I'm going to focus on is having four cups of coffee rather than saying, okay, you know what? This is part of the process. It's going to take three, four, five weeks in order for my energy levels to significantly increase just because of, because of what's going on internally. So I also think it's like a patience thing rather than 
having this outlet of, okay, I'm going to have wine or I'm going to have coffee or I'm going to go for a workout, thinking like, okay, maybe that's not the best move from a long-term standpoint. Yeah, and even like, or that's 100% true, but also even like instead of having your four cups of coffee, maybe think about like not going for your workout or instead of like doing a million things on your to-do list today because you are tired, maybe just take a day where you're like, focusing on yourself a little bit. Um, and I know like, look, I know it's easier said than done. We've got a million things to quote unquote to do every day, but I think it's this chronic, again, it's this chronic conditioning of like, do, 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 do all the time rather than just be. And like that balance of doing versus being is what I truly, I truly try to instill in my clients. And it's something that I'm physically trying to do as well. Um, because I'm also, you know, I'm also one of those people that's like, if I've got a pocket of time, I try to fill it with something to do. But a lot of the times I I've noticed that like, I just feel so much better if I'm just like, I'll do that later. I'm just going to sit down for 10 minutes and just do nothing or like spend time with my daughter or whatever. Um, and I think that state of being is so important for us, especially for women, because our systems biologically were not made for this constant doing, right? Like we've got cycles that on average change every 28 days and fluctuate. And we're going to have times in the month where we've got absolute crazy amounts of energy. And that's where we capitalize all the product, you know, productivity and, and all of that stuff. There are times of the month where we don't want to do anything. Like we are introverted. We have no energy. We just want to nest and like be antisocial. And that is okay. And that's, I think, what we need to start normalizing is it's okay to have nothing to do. Um, because, like I said, we've just become so conditioned in this like hustle and grind mentality of constantly doing. Um, so, yeah, I think both of those things sort of go hand in hand. Yeah. And I guess it's, it comes down to, one, obviously listening to your body, like you just said. and um, And secondly, it's like, understanding what's absolutely necessary to do today versus what isn't like obviously if you have a job to go to and you have children to take care of like there's certain things that you know you you can't neglect but there's always going to be things that we've just added on because of this you know hustle mentality and grind mentality to like make sure we get it done today and i'm 100 guilty of this right but i also also have weeks where yeah i also have weeks where i come back on you know, a Thursday evening or Friday evening, and I'm just like, oh my God, I am completely destroyed. Um, not physically, mentally. Like mentally, you just reach a point where you're just totally overwhelmed. And then it's just about then recognizing that and saying, okay, you know what? Tomorrow's Saturday. I know I had plans to go out for lunch with friend X and do this and do that, but I'm just going to take some time to myself, go for a walk on the beach, do whatever it is. Uh, and it's not that you have to resort to you know, watching Netflix, it's, it's stuff that you need to do, I suppose that you enjoy doing and that bring you that inner peace and that stress release, um, while not being detrimental, like potentially going for a high intensity workout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Before, before you go, or before we say goodbye, I just wanted to ask where can people find out more about you? Like, where can people find you online? And, um, We'll make sure to also disclose any sort of notes in, in the episode. Yeah, sure. Um, so the easiest place to find me is on Instagram um, at Sandra Sharp with an E wellness. 
Um, so you can reach out to me there. I'm very approachable on DMs. So you can reach out, let me know that you've listened to this podcast um, and, um, and any questions that you have. Do you have any, anything else that you, that you wanted to mention? Anything else that you want to talk about before we, before we go? Um, no, that's pretty much it. I think we've covered a lot. Again, look, I mean, we could have multiple episodes on this topic. It's massive. Um, but I hope that this was helpful for people to kind of see that everything is related, that we've got, um, you know, one intertwined complex system. Um, and we have every, you know, we have this innate ability to do a lot more for our health than we think. Um, so, you know, I hope that people start to realize that, um, they've got a lot more control and they are capable of helping themselves a lot more, uh, than they assume. And it's really in their everyday habits. 